Welcome to episode number 209 of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. In this episode, you'll be listening in on a conversation between myself and Scott Harvey Lewis, a professional engineer and vice president of M2E Consulting Engineers, one of the nation's leading multidisciplinary engineering firms. And we're going to talk about something that's fun, which is building a fun workplace in an engineering firm. That's exactly what Scott has been a part of at M2E. I've been watching him on LinkedIn for a while now, just seeing how much fun they have there at M2E. And it really inspired me to reach out to him and ask him to talk about that. And that's exactly what he's going to do. However, Scott also has some very interesting perspectives throughout his career because he's worked in so many different types and sizes of companies. So we give some really interesting career and life advice, actually, in the Take Action Today segment at the end of the episode. Super excited about this one. We also published this episode in video form on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash engineering careers. So you can watch it there as well. I am your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as an engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineering Your Own Success, and I've traveled the world helping engineers. And through this podcast, myself and my co-host, Chris Knutson, try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every episode. Now, people had their doubts about this podcast taking off, but since inception, we've had close to 2 million downloads and have been cited by Forbes as one of the top 15 most inspiring podcasts for professionals. Now, to set this up, let me tell you a little bit more about our guest for today, Scott Harvey Lewis. Scott is vice president and senior structural engineer at M2E. He has more than 13 years of experience providing structural engineering design construction, administration, and forensic services to public and private sector clients on a broad range of projects. Now, Scott is Jamaican, and he came here to the U.S. to pursue engineering. And as I said earlier, he's worked in many different types and sizes of companies, from small to big to startups. And so he brings all that perspective to our conversation. And I believe those perspectives that he's had in different scenarios allow him to bring so much value to the table. And you really hear that throughout this episode. And I'm super excited to share it with you and stick around all the way to the end to take action today segment, because he gives some really good career and life advice, again, based on his experiences. Now, before we jump in here with Scott, I do just want to mention, and I've been mentioning this on the podcast, and we've had an amazing response. Two things real quick. We run a workshop online regularly called the Engineering Management Accelerator Online Workshop, and it focuses around helping engineering professionals build their people skills. We get into live sessions on communication with your team, with your clients, building relationships through networking, building expertise through writing and speaking. We have a session on productivity, which is always one of the favorites. And then we have a session on high leverage leadership and how to delegate effectively. This course continues to become more and more popular, and I get a lot of emails from podcast listeners. So I'm always, always interested in hearing your feedback if you went through the course. And if you haven't yet, check out our next session, which starts in early September. Go to engineer2manager.com. That's engineer2manager.com. If you're afraid about getting reimbursed by your company, don't be. 90% of the people that have gone through the course have had reimbursement from their company. In fact, I just messaged with uh, one of our listeners who 
copied the email. We have an email right on the website, engineer2manager.com, that you can copy and paste and send it to your boss requesting reimbursement with info about the course, and she got it approved using that email. So again, go to engineer2manager.com, next session, September 10th. The second announcement is we are building a diagnostic tool called the Current Management Ability Potential Diagnostic Tool. What if I told you that we did a ton of research, we hired an outside data analytics firm, and we have discovered what has made great engineering managers successful in the past? What if I kind of figured out that recipe or that formula and told you that you could measure yourself against what they did and then know where to focus in terms of the skills you need to build to become a great and super successful engineering manager. Well, it's possible. We're building this diagnostic tool that's going to help engineers and engineering firms measure that so that they can continue to spend their money on training and invest where they need to invest and invest specifically for each person the right way. However, in building the tool, we're currently allowing our listeners, subscribers to participate in a case study with the tool. This is a special limited time offer because we're only going to take 200 managers through this assessment and we've already had quite a few go through it, but it is a 360 style assessment. So if you're interested, all you have to do is email Betty, betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Tell her that you'd like to participate in the CMAP case study and she'll ask you for a list of your reports and your supervisor and we will send them this 360 diagnostic tool and they will diagnose or assess you on it, and then we'll be able to give you some feedback on it, and we'll be able to get some data to help us finalize the tool. It's a win-win for everybody. Again, just simply email betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. You can get involved in the CMAP case study before we fill up all of the spots. All right, now let me bring you into our main segment in conversation with Scott Harvey Lewis with a quote that's related to the topic for today, and the quote is from Katie Sackoff. Somebody can't complain when they enjoy going to work and they enjoy the people they work with. All right, so now I'm excited to welcome Scott Harvey Lewis, Vice President at M2E Consulting Engineers to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Scott, welcome. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for having me. I know we've been back and forth trying to arrange the meeting, but finally we have the same schedule. We talk with a lot of busy engineers here, so I know that goes. The reason I reached out to you is because M2E does a lot of really cool things on social media and video, and you guys look like you have just a lot of fun in the office there. And we're going to get into that. But before we do that, Scott, just for the listeners and our viewers, give us a little background on yourself in terms of your career and your journey and what you do. I was born in Jamaica. I went to school there, and then somebody told me it was the best place to go to for college. So I ended up in the States. I went to college that I never heard of before. Somebody presented me with the, I guess, the application. First time I saw the college, I was being dropped off. And from there, you know, I ended up doing engineering. And I changed majors from aerospace to civil midway just because I realized I didn't like planes that much. (laughs) (laughs) And then my grandfather was an architect. So the closest thing that the school offered was, was civil engineering with structural. So that's what I ended up doing. And first job was structural. And then since then, that's kind of been the path until later on with the downturn, it switched from doing design to more forensic slash investigations and um, litigation support and so on. It was almost like reverse engineering. With the downturn in the economy, it kind of put me into a niche, which I found out that I actually liked. And at this point, I guess I'm doing well in it. 
there was no secret to, oh, this is finally, you know, I always want to do this or so on. It was just life pushed me in different areas. And at the end of the day, I found something that I really enjoy and the company I really enjoy as well. What you just described to me was basically, not that you didn't plan, but what I'm saying is like the least amount of planning. Like, you know, you heard about the college, you showed up, you went to college, your grandfather was an architect, so you went with civil, you didn't like planes, you went with civil. I mean, from watching you through social media, we're connected on LinkedIn. It looks like you're having a lot of fun doing great things. Of course, you're in Southern Florida now, correct? In West Palm Beach. And so how did you get to M2E? The school I went to was in Melbourne, Florida, which is Owen Change North. And when I switched from my first job to my second, they relocated me to West Palm Beach. So one interesting thing or a couple of interesting things about my career is I feel like I have a good sense of not just work, but also different cultures and companies because I've worked at seven different places. And they've ranged from Fortune 500 companies with thousands of employees to one to two office firm with less than 50. And I've gone through mergers or acquisitions. I've gone through an office closing down and me losing my job because the office is closed. I've gone through startups. I've gone through you know, good bosses. I've gone through not so good bosses. I've gone through really the gamut of everything. Some of it self-inflicted, some of it circumstance. I think just based on, like you said, sometimes maybe the wrong place at the wrong time, right place, right time. I've been able to see a lot. So I feel like I can really not just tell people, I guess, good advice on certain situations, whether it's changing jobs or what job looks better on paper. But I've actually gone through a lot that many people don't go through because some people stay in the same place all their life, which is not a bad thing either. I tell you what, man, you look pretty young for having all those experiences. (laughs) Good for you. You stayed young through all that stuff. All right. So tell us about M2E, just so the audience knows what kind of services they provide and how big are they, just so we know kind of where you're working now. So M2E is a niche firm. And why do I say it? We were specifically formed to service existing buildings and institutions. We have every discipline in-house. So we're not just civil engineers, we're mechanical, we're electrical, we're architects, and we're geared towards providing services to mostly high-rise, high-end condominiums, taking them through different investigations, whether it's for the law. So building gets built, it needs to be turned over, and by law, they need to have an engineering evaluation. Or in South Florida, there's a 40-year recertification that's, that has to happen by law. So we do that, and then inevitably, with construction, there are defects and deficiencies. So we're brought in to investigate that and provide opinions on what went wrong and provide litigation support to attorneys. Not that we can't do design, but we've just been formed in a way that we are on the reverse side of engineering and we're doing pretty well at it. In terms of size, we're a local firm to South Florida, but we are actually the largest firm that does what we do in South Florida. Not maybe the largest firm in numbers, but in this area, we have about 70 employees that do primarily this, which is the largest amount of employees in this area doing that. I'm going to pick Scott's brain about some different things. Obviously, he's got a lot of great experiences. But one of the things we want to talk about, Scott, which is when I reached out to you is you guys are very active on social media. You do a lot of videos, a lot of funny videos, and it just looks like everyone there is having so much fun. Is that really part of your focus, culture, just is making your work fun part of what you focus on as the leadership of M2E? We didn't sit on one day and say, you know, we want to make work fun. I think our backgrounds, I'm from Jamaica and Jamaica is a more lighthearted nation. So we just generally are more jovial 
and um, the other principals are from Serbia and they're more family oriented and cultures are different than what you usually see in the United States. So by nature, we're different. You know, um, one of the ways I describe it to people is in Jamaica and in Serbia as well. If I invite you to my home, I'm inviting you to entertain you. In Jamaica, you don't call somebody and say, okay, what am I bringing? Because it's obvious if I'm inviting you, you're being taken care of. And it's the same thing in Europe. We are here to entertain you. So in the U.S., it's all different. Somebody invites you to the house. It's like, what do I bring? You bring this. And at the end of the day, everybody brings a meal. I feel like if you expand that to work, the way that we take it is you're, in, you're working for, with us. And we're here not just to give you work and to make money, but we want you to enjoy the company as well. And we want to provide you with things to make your life better. And if we focus on the employees that way, then it's natural that they have a good time as well and that they have a, a better platform to perform. I've always been treated well by my bosses. So you know, I try my best to treat my employees well as well. And um, I think it's just more to do with background. And the reason why there was a push on social media was personally, we didn't have a really good website at one point and we're still working on that. And so it was hard to sell M2E, but if I'm trying to hire somebody and they go online, they don't know who M2E is. We may have a really great place to work, but if you don't know us, then you're going off of just word of mouth and that wouldn't be enough. So at first I just said, you know, we have a really good workplace. Let's broadcast it. And it wasn't like we staged things a lot, but it's just impromptu videos. It's just how we are on a daily basis. Sometimes, you know, people come in and they're like, oh, you're actually the way you guys are presented. And it's how do you get people to know what you are without using the internet nowadays? And I'm glad you said that because not just about shooting these funny, great videos to broadcast. It's really you guys just being who you are and just putting it online. That's great. What you said is when someone comes there, they see like, oh, wow, that's just really you. Like, I'm just watching you. Because I think sometimes social media is not that, right? It's people just putting out all the good stuff. And then it's kind of like a false advertisement, so to speak. And so how do your employees take to, I mean, obviously, I'm sure they like the fun atmosphere, but how do they, are they okay with the videos and being online, the social media? And because honestly, that's work too. Surprisingly, let's say the most intricate video we ever did probably took 30 minutes. We usually do it in one take and it's not like a, a scripted thing that we're like, okay, you know, this is your script. A lot of this is just like, hey, this is a good idea. Let's tell me how you feel. And it's just, it's just videotape. So it takes a lot less time than people think. Everybody's different. Some people love being on camera. Some people are more shy. But I think at the end of the day, as a group, when we do it together, we have more fun with it. And the people have lots of laughs. And it's a, almost like a team building exercise each time. And there's always good memories. We never look back at videos and are like, oh man, that was such a boring thing. Or again, it's a lot less intensive than it looks. And it's a lot more natural than it looks too. So it's not, nothing is scripted. So it comes off pretty easy. At one point, it was always videos with fun. But recently, I've been trying to kind of diversify the content. So sometimes it's more educational. Sometimes it's more about me. Sometimes it's the group. So we're trying to at least balance it that it's not, oh, all these guys do is have fun. We actually do a lot of work as well, which hopefully that comes across as and I was going to ask you, you know, how do people have time to do this when they're working on projects? But I mean, you pretty basically just explain that. It's like, we're not doing anything out of the ordinary. We're just kind of being ourselves and turn on the camera once in a while, right? So it's not like people have a lot of prep time or things like that for these videos. So, I mean, obviously you're a big part of the social media there. Like you said, I see you doing videos now about some recommendations, like how to select an engineer. I saw you do something like that, which was really informative. 
how did you learn how to do this social media stuff? Is it just from learning and just doing it? It's trial and error. So I've been consistently posting for about a year, almost exactly a year. Because when we moved into the new space, we had probably did a video showing like, hey, this is our new office. Can't believe we're moving already. And at the time, I thought it got good response. It got over, let's say, almost 2,000 views, you know, a few, uh, like 50 likes. And I was like, oh my goodness, social media is awesome. You know, people like me. And then, you know, you realize that it's not as easy as that. I posted something, some things went well, some things flopped. But at the end of the day, what I found out is you have to provide value. So you can't just be always doing something funny or just here's a funny picture. It has to provide some context to things. You have to figure out what are you trying to do. And a lot of it is just trial and error. So I think I never started out thinking I'm good at social media. Actually, I don't even use any other social media than LinkedIn. If somebody tried to look me up, there's nothing else I use. And it was kind of born out of necessity. Like I said, we didn't have a strong online presence for with a website. And it was how would you put things out? How do I let people know we actually have a good web workplace? So that was the first reason why. And then when you get a lot of feedback of people saying, I, I enjoy your posts or what you said really helped me or, you know, finally a company that people are being themselves. It kind of feeds the momentum of it because you realize it's actually affecting people in a positive way. So kind of hard to stop. There's so many engineering companies out there, but a lot of engineers I talk to, they are in places where, you know, it isn't necessarily fun. And that ultimately is a lot of times a driver of why they would leave a company, right? If either they're manager or it's not a fun workplace, all that's great. And it's happy to see it. And I'm happy to continue to watch you guys and see how that grows as your company grows, which I think will be interesting. But flipping over to a a couple other topics here, because you've had a lot of experience and as you said earlier, different situations. One of the bigger discussions in our industry today is the idea of this diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And I mean, Southern Florida is a very diverse place. You already explained to us how diverse your company is with different cultural leadership. Yourself, you grew up in Jamaica. How does that benefit a company, right? Everyone's talking about diversity and inclusion. What are the benefits of that? Because I know that there are many benefits and you're experiencing on a regular basis. One thing in, in this office, and I think, again, it, it's, it's just kind of circumstance. It was a new office. I had to add people rapidly. And sometimes it wasn't the most experienced person for the job, but it, this, they ended up being the right person anyway. There were females, they were different from people in countries. There's younger engineers, older engineers. It's almost like you had to use what was available. But what has happened is with a new market and a new office and also not changing product, but trying to make a product better as you go along, you realize the more diverse the team, the better the output. And why do I say it? Because everybody brings something different to the table. So I have my strengths, I have my weaknesses. I have other people in the office that have strengths that maybe are my weaknesses. But if I'm like, I'm the boss, I tell you how to do and don't recognize I have weaknesses, then at the end of the day, who's productive is it? Is it M2Es or is it mine? One thing that we do in the office consistently is the best idea wins. So the intern could come in and say, listen, at school, we've done use this new program and it does it this way. And if it's the best idea, it wins. Nobody in this office is, well, this is how we do it here. Or this is the way, because if we did it that way, then how would we grow? And everybody has brought good ideas to the table. And so sometimes you read all these companies, oh, well, they have the brainstorming event and this, this, and diversity and all these catchy terms. But at the end of the day, it's just being people. You know, like if you, if you attack it from the sense that we're all equal, like nobody's better than somebody else and we all have good ideas and we're all professionals and everybody's important, really, then you won't have to come up with catchy terms because we're just being people. 
just being people, just being yourself, just letting everybody contribute. Yeah, everybody feels valued. And, you know, we have meetings when a project finishes and we ask the staff engineers or whoever worked on the project, like, what could we do better? And they come up with the best ideas because they're actually doing the work. As a manager, you know, it's funny, like I've had managers before and they say, well, it's going to take this amount and this amount. And it reminds me of like, you know, Michael Jordan right now. He may have been the best basketball player, but if he goes and plays basketball right now, he's not going to be that good. He's not playing with the players right now. And maybe the game has changed a little bit. So like things change. And so the real players right now are the ones that need to be telling you how things operate. Not, you know, in the good old days, you know, I used to do like this or, I mean, that stuff is gone. I mean, we keep on growing. And kind of what I'm taking away from our conversation in general, whether it's social media, whether it's diversity and inclusion, it's just people being themselves. That's it. It's people being themselves, people having fun, not this idea that you have fun when you leave work for the day, right? That's not the case. It's you just go to work, you have fun, you meet people, you work with people you like, you interact. Everybody has a chance to contribute and you go home and you have fun with your family. You do something else. But I think that's important philosophy for people to hold. Because think about it, at the end of the day, if this was free, if we weren't paying or we weren't being paid to come to work, how many people would actually show up for the day? That's a question you got to answer. So, and then other people think, well, the clients are most important, which they are important, but you have to treat your internal clients better. And the reason why is because if you do, they're going to treat your clients as best as possible. So it's almost like a chain reaction. People focus on the bottom line and the clients, and then they try to drop all benefits down to the bare minimum for the employees, or even let's say they bring it up to where they think is okay, but they're stuck in some type of rigid model and they don't try to focus it on each employee because everybody is different. At the end of the day, that person is going to be frustrated. They're going to be on the phone with the client and how are they going to sell something and be happy if they're frustrated with their employer? The focus I have when I'm dealing with everybody is everybody's individual. Everybody's problems are different. Everybody's circumstances are different. So I have to treat everybody in some flexible nature that is reasonable. And usually, you know, what I found is if somebody is a really good person and a good performer, they're also usually really reasonable. So they're not asking for much. It could be very simple things that you just tweak and it makes their day. And then they become a very good representative for you. Not just focusing on your clients, because I know that has been something of the past of engineering companies, but you have to think about, uh, you said it perfect, your internal clients, right? Your team, because they're the ones who are actually going to end up providing the value for the clients if they're happy and if they're connected and engaged in the workplace. Sure. We've talked about quite a bit here with Scott. I'm going to ask him to stick around for our last segment here, and we're going to just dive in with a few more questions related to his career. So we'll come back in just a minute for that. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment to wrap this one up with Scott Harvey Lewis. But before we jump into it, I do just want to remind you that there is a great opportunity in front of you right now to be a part of our current management abilities potential diagnostic tool case study. What does that mean? That means that over the past 10 years, we've been interviewing engineering professionals, but the past few years, we've gone through all of our data. We hired an outside data analytics company. We've surveyed thousands of engineers. And we've tried to piece together what has made great engineering managers of the past. And we believe that we've done that. And we've kind of put that formula into a diagnostic tool that will help you as a manager in the engineering industry diagnose kind of how you stack up against these great engineering managers of the past and where you should focus if you want to develop. Because you have limited time and energy and so does your company in terms of time, energy and money. So where do you want to invest it? And this can help you do exactly that. Right now we have a case study going on We are taking 200 managers into it. We still have spots for about 30 managers left. 
And all you have to do is email Betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and request to be part of the CMAP case study. And all you'll need to do is give her a list of your reports, your supervisor, and of course your own email, which she'll have. And we will get you enrolled and you will have your reports and your supervisor kind of assess you through this diagnostic tool and you'll assess yourself and we'll be able to give you some really valuable information and we'll be able to use the data from the 200 managers to tweak and finalize our tool, which eventually will be a self-diagnosing tool, but we're using a 360 format for the case study. So again, Betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Join us for the CMAP case study. It may just give you information that'll change the course of your career. All right, so we're back with Scott Harvey Lewis of M2E, and we've had a really interesting conversation around social media in in the workplace, fun in the workplace, diversity in the workplace. But now we've got to go back to what Scott talked about early on. He's been in almost every career type of situation, small companies, startups, office closed, fast growing companies. To kind of wrap this episode up, Scott, let's say you're up in front of a room with a group of engineering professionals and they're saying, Scott, listen, you've been through so many things in your career. What are some of the things that jump to mind that if you had to give kind of career advice to people, what would you think to say? The first thing that comes to mind is focus on the journey and not your end goal. So live almost in the moment and do your best work in the moment. Don't think about any other distractions of, oh, this person or what's that person doing or my friend over here has this or the grass is always green up. I'd say take every moment that you have, do your very best job, work as hard as you can within reason and take every opportunity to learn the most you can. That's one segment because I think in my early career, I'm all, I was always focused on, well, I want to be in charge or I want the most money and I want all this. And at the end of the day, you know, you might end up in situations that you put yourself in for the wrong reasons and nobody can ever take away from you the fact that you worked hard for them and that you did a good job. That goes with you wherever you go. And that's something that is for yourself, just like your education is for yourself and your training is for yourself. Your reputation is for yourself. Your circumstances change. So the way you think when you're 22 coming out of college is different than when you're 35 with a family. So sometimes I look at myself back in the day and I'm like, you are so stupid. You know, like the things that were important to you and the things that you were fighting for weren't even important. I would say just always focus on doing good work, providing value to your supervisor, to your company, looking of what you can do for them as opposed to what can they do for you. Because it's almost like a, a relationship that goes together. If you're doing a lot for them, then inevitably they'll do a lot for you. And if they don't, then you might be in the wrong place. You know, so you don't want to, be, you don't want to regret the fact that you didn't give all because people see it. And it won't go unnoticed. The other piece of advice I would give besides working hard is and focusing on the journey is, you know, just be humble. The best people I work with, they have a level of humility. They know their strengths. They know their weaknesses. They don't oversell. They don't undersell. They're just humble people and they want to help you. And that's work hard, be humble. That's probably. And one last thing I'll ask you, Scott, because it sounds like you've dealt with it several times in your career, which is adversity. Something happens, you said an office closed and I lost my job. What do you say to an engineer that is dealing with that right now? Or how do you deal with adversity in your career? What's your mindset around that? One, I think, you know, at a time when things happen, you're, you know, you're flustered and you're like, oh man, life sucks. But those things make you stronger if you use it to your advantage. So I think if anybody's facing adversity, just build yourself up. If you're looking for a job, 
be prepared to go into the job and, and sell yourself to them based on your research, knowing what they need. You have to provide value to anybody. So if I meet a client, I'm not just going and they ask me, oh, what does M2 do? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, we're engineers. Like I do research on them. I try to find out how can I best serve them. Maybe I'm not even the best engineer for them. And I'll tell them, I'm not the best engineer for you. This person maybe. I'm always honest and open. And I think for anybody, that's the way to be. You, you know, things happen that's out of your control, but you can always make your circumstances better, but it's on you. It's not, you can't just be sitting there waiting for something to drop into your lap. You've got to work hard for things and figure out what value you bring to the table and then sell that and become confident in it. All right, Scott Harvey Lewis, M2E Consulting Engineers. Thank you for spending some time with us on the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. My pleasure. Thanks, Scott. All right, thanks, Anthony. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. I had a really great time with Scott. He's a high energy guy. They're doing some great things at M2E and having fun in the workplace is very important because if you can't have fun at work and you have to go to work every day dreading, then what's the point? I mean, really, what is the point? Going to work and enjoying the people you're with and the projects you work on can completely change the game in your career and your life. So we'd love to hear your feedback on this episode. As always, simply go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and look for episode 209 of the Engineering Career Coach podcast. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And please make sure to check out our upcoming session of the Engineering Management Accelerator People Skills Workshop that you can find at engineer2manager.com. Again, that's engineer2manager.com. And until next time, I wish you all the best in your engineering career endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and will help you engineer your own success.